0: What I enjoy about this church and what I really uh, appreciate, not only with Pastor Grissom, but with everybody else, uh, all the other men, whether it's uh, Brother Jim, Brother Jeremy, Brother Dan, um, you know what, you you got a bunch of people uh, that not only are, are ready and willing to stand in the gap, but you have people that know the importance of digging in the Word, and that if we're standing up here, and whether it's me or any of these other men, uh, folks, I, I think that we understand, and yes, that, that thing, it's kind of funny, right? Hey, some of you need to open up your Bible, but I think what's great about this church is, is you, you have people that understand, hey, I think Jim said it this morning, right? You, you didn't come here to listen to me this morning, right? You came to listen to the Word of God, and, and I, I'm just going to try and do my best to be faithful to that, because um, folks, that's just not the case. That's not the case in so many churches uh, around. Uh, a lot of times when I get invited to another church and go, you know, preach or whatever, a, a lot of times, you know what, I'll go online first. I'll go and look at their other, you know, I'll listen to the preaching. And uh, folks, there's just not a lot of Bible being preached. And, and so we've always got to bring it back to the Bible. And so that's, that's what I hope to do for you this morning. Um, so if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, we'll we'll read a verse here and... We'll get started. I'm going to do a lot of flipping. Uh, you know, I know even though I've been gone the last couple of weeks, I was still kind of checking in and, and I know that Pastor uh, Grissom these last couple of weeks has also been doing, uh, you know, kind of like some, some, some foundational work, right? Like just going back and reminding us of some like, hey, here's the foundation. And, and so I also hope to do some of that for you as well. So we're going to be flipping around a lot uh, so it 'll be a little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching, and, and hopefully a little something for everyone in here and uh, just as Sean said, Sean, I appreciate the announcement this morning look if if you don 't know Christ as your savior, uh, I hope there 's going to be some stuff in here that will nail that down for you and if you do know Christ as your savior, I hope it 's going to give you some stuff to be reminded, maybe even go back and and read up on it for yourself and and just uh, be assured of where your faith is so all right, cha- uh, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. i got to remember where I'm starting. Verse 9. I'm starting verse 9. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said... This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let me pray. Father God, once again, uh, Lord, I just thank you so very much uh, for giving us another day. Lord, thank you that we have the freedom, that we have the opportunity, that we have the privilege uh, to gather uh, under one roof, uh, to gather around the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, I thank you for the things that have already been said this morning. I thank you for everyone that's here. Uh, and Lord, we pray for those that couldn't be here. Obviously, we, we pray for uh, Pastor and Miss Teresa. Lord God, I pray that you give them a good time down there and pray that you help them to uh, maybe just get a little spiritually recharged, have some good fellowship. Uh, Lord, I know that we've got some folks that are out sick and hurting, and I, I pray for those as well. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you be with us now. Lord, please help me. Uh, uh, please help me to be a faithful mouthpiece. Uh, n- not to wander too far off and uh, to, to say what it is that you need me to say here this morning. And Lord God, I do pray that if there is someone in here today uh, that doesn't know the reason why we're here, Lord, that reason why we're here is our, son, uh, our your son, our Savior Jesus Christ. That is the only reason why we're here. Lord God, so I pray uh, that if there's anyone in here that doesn't understand that reason, that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would help me uh, to present that in, in a way that would uh, uh, that would get through, so Lord God, I uh, just pray that Your Holy Spirit would move in here now, Lord. We love You, thank You, and praise You in Jesus' name. We do pray, Amen. So, folks, kind of like the uh, uh, the question that that this is going to revolve around today uh, is just that that right there. Who is this? Um. So, even from this opening portion of Scripture, we kind of see two things right off the bat. One is we see what is the question? The question is, who is this? Like Who's this guy? What's all this commotion about? What's, what's all the hubbub, bub? All right? Uh, what's going on? And, and then we look at the response. I thought what was interesting when I, when I was reading through this is, first of all, it's people within the multitude, right? It's just the townspeople, right? It's the people within the multitude that are asking the question, who is this? But also notice who answers. It's other people in the multitude. It's not the disciples. It's not the people that are closest to him that provide the answer. It just says, and the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's just the people that are answering. And so if you're saved in here today, I I want you to kind of take a, uh, just give yourself an honest assessment is that really the fullness of the answer that should have been given? I mean, it's true, right? He, he was a prophet. But, is that, but does that really get down to the brass tacks of who is this? Do you see what I'm saying? I, I mean, folks, that, that, that's the nation around us, right? You, you go and ask the multitude... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm even afraid to mention the question, right? Because we all know. We know know what questions are being just inundated through the media and whatever else, right? But you just ask the multitude a question, and you're going to get what kind of answer? You're going to get whatever they think, whatever they feel, whatever they, you know, come up with on the moment. But very rarely does it ever truly get down to the truth of the matter, right? No, there's only two. Not 18,436. There's two choices, right? You know where I'm going, all right? You know, Ricky Ricky always has to remind me that we're live, so I'm I'm trying to be more careful. (laughs) Right, so folks, we have what is the question and what is the response? Um, I'm sure that you've all heard the phrase, inquiring minds want to know. You know, maybe you've used that phrase and sometimes we just say that in, chat, in jest because, you know, someone's talking about something and it sounds like, ooh, uh, inquiring minds want to know, right? Uh, okay, keep your, you know, like, keep your nose in your own business. Quit trying to dig around in other people's stuff, right? Because a lot of times that's when that phrase is used because you're just trying to figure out some gossip or something. But, uh, you know, I actually even kind of did some looking up on that phrase and, and kind of where that came from, and sure enough, I, it seemed like it was kind of originally termed within the media circles, right? Inquiring minds want to know, right? That just sounds like something Walter Cronkite or somebody would say, right? So uh, so that's kind of where that came from. Now, here's some interesting word facts, Um because it kind of relates to this situation. Now, here in this scene, what we have in Matthew chapter 21, right, we have Jesus Christ is coming in on on what the world, at least, commonly refers to as Palm Sunday, right, Uh, the week before his crucifixion, right? So he's coming in, the crowd is all in an uproar, and, and people are wanting to know, who is this? But the thing that I would, the question in my mind is, okay, but how much did they really want to know? In other words, what was the depth of the question? Because the depth of the, of the question is what determines the depth of the response, right? In other words, when a crowd gathers, well, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, it was some guy, some guy riding in on a, on a donkey, Right? I mean, that's what we get most of the time. And, and so as I got into that, looking up that inquiring minds want to know, it led me down this rabbit trail of that word inquire. And, and typically, if you, if you spell the word and all this other kind of stuff, I, you see two different versions of it. Most of the time, inquire, at least here in America, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because obviously our English and grammar here in America is always top-notch. Thank you. (laughs) Right? Uh, So inquire, typically, in America, is spelled with an I. In England, it's spelled with both, because it has to do with the context of the word. If I am just asking a typical question, hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, what's your name? That is an inquire with an E. It's just, it's casual, it's just, it's very factual, it's... Right? It's not going into a lot of depth. I'm making an inquiry about you. Okay? I I don't want to know any of your business. Like, I'm just saying, how are you to be nice. Okay? Don't, I I really didn't ask for an explanation. You can laugh, come on. Okay? (laughs) So that's what an inquiry is spelled with an E. However, in in England, because they're so proper, (laughs) inquiry with an I means something a little more formal, more like investigative. In other words, you're trying to dig a little deeper, like, like an actual inquisition is spelled with an I. So then I, I start doing my, my word search in my Bible. Um, I've got you know, this program on my computer. right? I do my word searches. That's when I see whether it's first mentioned, how many times it's mentioned, whatever else. I also have the one on my phone, on my app. And, and this is where things got interesting. And I'm going to try not to take us down too much of a crazy rabbit trail here, uh, but, but I think I need to preface this because I, I think there's some interesting facts, okay? So if we take the two versions of this word here, inquire with an E, meaning, at least in England, okay, uh, just saying, hey, it's a casual, how are you doing, what's going on, what color is the sky this morning? Minnesota, it's typically gray. That's not funny. That's real. No, uh, But then you have the inquire with an I. Something a little more in-depth. Something that we're truly trying to get to the bottom of. Like, I, I need to know. I need to know what's going on. So, and one thing I'm looking and I see uh, in the King James Bible that inquire is always spelled an E. Uh, the word inquisition, does show up in the Bible, especially in things like Deuteronomy, where there needs to be a formal process, right, when we're dealing with the law. There needs to be an inquisition made, okay? Now, we're going to go and look at the the rule of first mention, right? So I want you to turn to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 24. So... I'm I'm going through my notes and I started working on this a few days ago and then last night I was kind of going over all my notes one more time and then all of a sudden man I mean I got like this huge change-up curveball everything thrown thrown at me at one time and and I'm swinging for the fences Uh, but I think this is interesting folks we'll get there okay I I, I don't want to reveal too much so um Genesis chapter 24, verse 57 and 58. This is important for so many different reasons. Number one, rule of first mention, right? We know that the first time a word shows up in the Bible, it it gives us a lot of meaning. It it sets the groundwork uh, for a lot of things about that word, how that word is used, and things like that. Um, The second thing is we we get a great picture here. We get a great picture of what's going on that's going to lead into the rest of the message here in a minute. Um, And then the other thing, folks, I think this answers the question as far as what is the depth? What is the depth of what we're willing to seek in order to get to know God, in order to get to know Christ? What is the depth we are willing to go? All right, so Genesis chapter 24, verse 57, it says, And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth, and they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now, uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything like that, but folks, what I will say is this. In your King James Bible, in your lap, you may see one of either way. It may be with an E, it may be with an I. Mine is spelled with an I. Yours may be spelled with an E. Now, look, we folks, that is not uh, something wrong with your King James Bible. That is not anything like that. That is, at the end of the day, sometimes the publishers still had a little bit of freedom in how they spelled words. It's kind of like when you see Savior spelled with a U or without the U, right? You see sometimes Savior, S-A-V-I-O-U-R, and you see S-A-V-I-O-R. doesn't change the meaning. doesn't change Christ. And it's the exact same thing here. It doesn't change the meaning of inquire. It's still an inquire. They still had to go and ask if she wanted to go with this man. Okay. Now, for me, like I said, I think there's something interesting. My Bible, I don't know if it's because it... Uh, maybe this one came directly from England. I, I, I don't know. They put it on a boat and shipped it over here and it got stuck out in the Pacific Ocean for two years because of all the Chinese stuff. Whatever. Mind spell and I. I just think that's interesting, going back to the root, call, root you know, basis of the word, according to England, right? I versus E. For the sake of the message, I want you to think about, uh, again, what is the depth? What was the original depth of the question that was asked those people as Jesus Christ was writing in, in comparison to the answer that they were given? Right? They were given a very surface-level answer. Oh, he's, he's this prophet from Galilee. Oh, folks, he was way more than that. Right? But if you're just amongst the multitude and you're asking, hey, what's going on? Oh, this guy over here is just, you know, he's making a spectacle of himself. That's what you're going to get for the answer. And, and that's what I want to challenge us or remind us or, or whatever. So now, when, when we say, let's take, right, because we remember those, those three ways that we read our Bible, right? Right? Uh, uh, I just had a complete brain lapse. Historically, spiritually, doctrinally, right? But, hey, you read it because it's doctrine, because it's true, and it's this. And hey, no, it's historical. This really happened, right? Yes, the Red Sea really split down the middle, right? Not on the end where it's shallow, like they'll... Try, right? So, all right. So now let's get the spiritual application of what's going on right here in Genesis. Genesis 24. You have Abraham who sent out his servant to go find a bride for his true son. Right? Because remember, he had that other son where he colored outside of lines and went outside of God's will, and then he had his true son, the one that he was supposed to have with his wife Sarah, Isaac. And at one point, Abraham was asked to do what with Isaac? Sacrifice him. Sounding at all familiar? And so this servant is being sent out, sent out, as we are going to be sending people out, sent out to find a bride for his true son. And the question is being asked, Wilt thou go with this man? Folks, that's a great question. That's a great question to ask. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to go with this man? Are you going to go with this man who is? And that's about what we're going to get. We're going to answer this question, who is? Because, folks, if your understanding of Jesus Christ as what much of the world and a lot of other religions will claim him as, oh, he was a good teacher, he was a good prophet, sure, what are you going to do with that? Probably not a lot. But the depth of the answer is, when we truly understand who he is, we'll determine the true answer to that question. And then therefore give you the evidence of what will you do with him. Wilt thou go with this man? Well, if he's just some prophet, I mean, uh, no, probably not. But when we understand who he is, then the choice will be pretty clear. Right? And that's where we... That's where we want to get at today, folks. So this question was, who is he? Who is this man who is, right? And and what are we going to do with him? So now if you would, turn to Colossians chapter 1. And this is where we'll now kind of spend the majority of our time. And and one thing that I want to do a little bit different today, folks, is, is I'm going to kind of put some burden back on you back on us um and let me pause for this public service announcement folks i was really encouraged this morning um and i've mentioned this like when i was out preaching out of town a couple of weeks ago it seems like hey okay lord i you know I, i think this is where you've got me going i i think this is the message that you want me to give but it's like even up until that point folks i'm like still always looking for that last little bit of confirmation lord am i on the right track with this and, folks, I'm just going to say there, there's going to be a lot of overlap uh, between what was presented in Sunday school this morning. Brother Jim talked about seven things. We're going to talk about seven things today. It got down to the point of knowledge. Do you know Jesus Christ? It's just we're, we're going to go a little deeper with that. But, folks, I, like, I'm sitting back and I'm listening. I'm like, All right, Lord. <laughs> okay, I'm on the right track. But, folks, you know, the other thing that it makes me think of, and, and, and this is not a thing, another thing that I love about Berean Bible Baptist Church is, you know, look, we're not this militant group and shoving things down your throat and, and everything else. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, we are a family. Uh, there is a lot of grace. There is a, a lot of patience and understanding. Uh, but, folks, I, I will say this. When I get encouraged... Because, man, you've got two guys here that dug into the Word and whatever else, and we didn't talk about it, we didn't share notes or anything, but all of a sudden, when the Lord is bringing two completely different messages and things like that together, okay, He's trying to make a point. <laughs> but you're only going to get half the point. But folks, there, there's a good, you know, Sunday school, it's not like, hey, you know, get, get your tail to Sunday school. That's not what it's about. It's about sometimes... It is that additional teaching. We go into more depth in Sunday school, right? You've got Sunday school teachers back here, whether it's Miss Barber or Miss Teresa or whatever else. You've got children in this church that the reason they are saved is because of Sunday school. And because you have faithful men and women that have put in the time and effort and they are presenting the lessons in Sunday school that these young minds need, uh, I mean, I, I, sometimes I just get blown away and I get encouraged by what our young people know about their Bible. And it's because of what they get in Sunday school. So look, please, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not using this as a time to uh, get on to anybody. That's not what I mean. What, what I'm saying is that, man, when, when there is such an overlap there okay, Lord's either trying to get my attention, get your attention, get off, whatever. And, and it's an encouragement to me. That That's, a, okay, that's the only point that I'm trying to make. It was an encouragement to me to say, hey, Mike, yeah, I had you in this passage. This is where I need you to be. And, and hey, here's that extra pat on the back. Now get up there. Let her rip, potato chip. Right? <laughs> but you know what I also know, folks, look, um, Again, whether it's the, the ladies that teach Sunday school, whether it's the men, Brother Dan Huve, Brother Jeremy, Brother Jim, there are people that get up here and, and they teach, and, and you know what it is, is? It's an encouragement to them too. It's an encouragement when you're up here and you don't know. I'll guarantee you every one of these men and every one of these women that teach, I'll guarantee you in the back of every single one of our minds, it's like, man, ugh, I hope I'm on track. I hope I, like, I, I hope I'm... Right, I hope I'm presenting this the right way. And when you see all of your beautiful, shiny faces, some of them, not all of them, but you know. Folks, it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to us in return. And, and I promise you, these ladies that teach science, or they're way more meek and way more humble than, than us big burly knuckleheads. They won't say it, so I'll say it for them. I promise you when they see those little faces looking back at them and they're hanging and they Folks, as an encouragement to those ladies as well that are teaching Sunday school. All right? So there, there's some great things in there. And, and what it comes down to, folks, is it comes down to this resonating point of who He is. And the only way that we can truly answer that is if we answer it to the depth that it deserves. He's not just some prophet from Galilee. He's not just some guy that popped up on the scene, hung around for a few years, and then disappeared. That is not who He is. So much more than that. So here in Colossians chapter 1... Uh, I know sometimes, depending on what kind of Bible you have, obviously you have a King James Bible. But what I mean is like, hey, maybe you have a Ruckman reference Bible, maybe you have a Schofield Bible, whatever it is. That sometimes you know they'll have these little subheadings or little notes. And I noticed as I was going through this passage uh, that the little note I have it, it talks about the seven superiorities of Christ, or or uh, I've seen one that says like the seven uh, attributes, the seven personages, the seven whatever. Right? The these are the seven things of Christ that we have got to know, right? So again, that's what part of what Brother Jim was, was teaching on this morning was these, these seven things, these seven attributes, these seven qualities that we need, right? And of course, we know that that's just coincidence, right? It just, it just so happens to be seven. God's perfect number, right? It's, it's just all coincidence, whether it's seven attributes, whether it's the seven qualities of Christ, whether it's the seven days of creation, right? And I know Pastor hit on that a couple of weeks ago, right? He, he talked about the timeline, the seven days, and he talked about his judgments last week, right? Folks, it's just all coincidence. No. The Lord's trying to make a point somewhere. He's trying to make a point somewhere. All right, so... What I had to do was, uh, you know, not only am I going through this passage, we're going to read it here in just a second, but, you know, I'm looking at other notes because I, I'm going to be real honest with you, okay? At first, I've read through this passage several times, and I couldn't pick out the exact seven. At one point, I found like 15. I'm like, what are you talking about seven, man? There's like a hundred of them in here. And, and then I go back, and I'm trying to like, oh, I can, okay, well, I got three. <laughs> I got four, right? So, folks, it's even one of those things. It's not going to immediately jump out at you. And even amongst Bible believing, you know, resources that I found on 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 the internet, some of them had a little bit different. They still had seven, but they were a little bit different. Um, but I think I nailed it down, and, and I think I, I can help us understand how to tease out which ones are the actual attributes versus the things that he does. So here's the best way that I can explain that. Well, let's read it first, okay? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, let's start in verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Folks, I hope that as I was reading that, you were hearing certain things that I was emphasizing and certain things that I wasn't. Do you notice the difference when you see He is? versus for, by. There's a difference there. And that's what's going to help us identify these seven things, these seven qualities, these seven attributes, these seven things that we need to know. Uh, so I, I heard, I was listening to another message a couple of weeks ago, and I like the way that this pastor presented this, so I'm, I'm going to kind of steal some of his words. And he was talking about something different, but he, he was he was kind of comparing the difference between the indicatives and the imperatives. This one's a little bit different. Uh, we're going to talk about the indicative versus the integration. Indicative, something that indicates something. Like this is this. Does that make sense? This is an indicative. This is a piano. In and of itself, that's what it is, it's a piano. It's an innate object, can't do anything by itself. An imperative or an integration is when Miss Becca or or Lily or someone comes up and plays the piano. Right? So what we mean by the indicative versus the integration, the indicative is who it or what is. Then there is the integration. Putting it to work. It's now the what it is, is what it's doing. Is the purpose of what it is. Does that make sense? And folks, this is where uh, yet just another beautiful contrast between Jesus Christ our Savior, God in the flesh, versus us as man. What we have got to understand here, it's because of who He is. It's the who He is that establishes the what He did. You have to get that down first. He couldn't do what He did unless He was who He was. Versus we're the complete opposite. Right? For those of us, like maybe whatever your job is, you do what you do not because of who you are. Does that make sense? Right? You do what you do... Again, because as Brother Jim hit up this morning, because you did some work. You did some studying. You did some reading. You did some learning. Like Brother Dan does a lot of computer stuff, right? Far above my pay scale. I'm guessing you probably had to spend some time learning how to do that. He didn't just show up, hey, I'm Dan Huve, let me have your computers. <laughs> right? That's not how that worked. That's exactly how it worked for Jesus Christ, though. He did what he did because of who he is. That's the difference. And that's what we have to learn here. And so, folks, again, this this is the fork in the road. If you don't know who He is, you don't know Christ as your Savior, I hope this is going to line this out for you. But for those of us that are saved, and I don't care if you've been saved for a year, I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years, I hope that maybe some of these seven things will remind us as to the depth of what we need to go to to truly understand who He is. So the first one being, He is, Colossians 1:15, He is the image of the invisible God. Now, folks, this is what I said. This is where I'm going to give you guys some homework. I put the references up there for a reason. Because the question was, who is this? I've already told you the depth of the answer you get is the depth of the willingness that you're going to seek. We'll go over some of these, but I'm not going to go over all of them. It's up to us. You can sit here and you can take notes and you're like, okay, Mike, I got that point, I got that point, I got that point, let's move on. Or you can go home and you can check out these references. And look, folks, back me up. Don't take what I'm saying because I said it. Right? I'll mess up, I'll say something wrong, you won't like what I'm saying. I, you know, I'll t- again, this, uh, this church, I got to go to the same church two weeks in a row. The first week, I presented an idea. Second week, sure enough, I, you the know, guy in the back came me like, hey man, you know that thing you said last week? Man, I went and looked that up. I couldn't find that. I'm sorry, everybody has the right to be wrong. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I gave you 15 references to the thing, but hey, you know what I told him? I was like, but hey man, good on you. Good on you for not just taking what I said at face value. Good on you for going... now. Go back and look it up again, because it's there. (laughs) Right? But folks, I mean, that's great. You know, I was encouraged by that. This guy's like, man, I don't know you from Adam. You know, they just called you crazy Texan to come in here, and so I wanted to check you up. Praise the Lord. Check me up. I don't care. Right? So let's go ahead and turn to this one. though. So he's the image of the invisible God. John chapter 14. And again, as Jim went over this morning, folks, the Apostle Paul, right? So it's the Apostle Paul who's writing this, uh, and it's because the Apostle Paul had the Bible. <laughs> the Apostle Paul knew that he was written, as he was writing these seven attributes, is because he knew that it was there. You can go back and find this stuff, right? Uh, John chapter 14, starting verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Folks, I I mean, look, I think this is one of those times where, yes, there are times where we probably need to have a little bit more grace with ourselves. At the same time, we probably need to be willing to kick ourselves in the tail a little bit more. But this is one of those examples that you're talking about one of the very guys that walked around with him. One of his physical disciples still had to say, Well, show us the Father. And Jesus had to correct him right there on the spot. Right? And so we know uh, again, we live by faith. We're not going to see this. We didn't, we, we didn't even get to see Jesus. We we live by faith. But so therefore. If you're going to believe Jesus Christ as your Savior, Romans 15, 4, right? The things that were mentioned before time were written, or so, i sorry, the things that were written four time were written for our learning. You go back and read, and we need to know that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. You, you can't miss that. That is one of the things that you have got to understand about Jesus Christ if you're going to know Him. Okay. Next one, He is the firstborn of every creature. Right, right there, Colossians 1.15. He is the firstborn of every creature. Couple of references there, but folks, uh, whether it's Genesis one again, I'm, I'm not going to go over all these. I, I, I'm asking you, right. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm challenging you or charging you. I'm asking you, how much do you want to know? And you'll get the definition in those verses, but he was there. He was there with God from the beginning. Right? When God said, let us make man in our image. Who's the us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the us. God didn't say, let me make man in my image. He said, let us. So Jesus Christ was there, folks. He was there from the beginning. And look, I I can't explain it all. It's just, it's another perfect example uh, of either your faith is going to take in or your faith is going to kick in and kind of take over here to say, well, how was He the firstborn? Because he I I don't know. I'm, I'm not that good to be able to explain it, I just have faith that it is. I I hope that we know as Bible believers, because again, we know that in other circles, other religions, it'll get taught, look, Christ was not a created being. Right? And, And there are religions and cults and stuff that will try and teach that. Right? He is not a created being. He was. He was with God from the beginning. So to say that he is the firstborn of all, uh, I don't know. We know that physically speaking he was born of a woman, right? Uh, Conceived of the Holy Spirit. So I I think from that sense you could even say, well, the reason he was the firstborn, even, even on his physical timeline, he was still the firstborn because he was born out of the holy spirit do you see what i mean like like he he wasn't born as in the way we're typically born it, it was a perfect birth uh, an untainted birth right is that a, is that a good way to say that <laughs> right um, i i hope that doesn't generate more questions and it, 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 again i guess the best way i can say it is like folks sometimes you just got to take it on faith but it is an essential, it's an essential quality that we have to know of Him. That He is the firstborn of every creature. Okay. Alright, next one, we're moving on. Um, now, look, there is a lot of stuff look, uh, written in verse 16. But how does verse 16 start? It says, for by Him. Folks, those are the, that's the integration part. Right? Hey, He is the firstborn. And by him, this was done, and this was done, and this was done. And then it gives a lot of explanations. So there's not any indicatives in verse 16. The next indicative that we see is verse 17. And he is before all things. He is. He is before all things. He, he, he is number one, grand champion, right? MVP, whatever, <laughs> right? Right? It, not only is He before uh, in, in the terms of timeline and eternity, He is before in terms of His position. There's nothing before Him. Everything is after. Right? So He is before all things. Let's turn to John 17. Let's look at that one. John 17:5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. See, do you see what I mean? Like, like he was before in terms of both the timeline, right? Eternity. But he's before in terms of his position. You know, whether it's like the military, right? I mean, sometimes if we were on a patrol, I mean, you had to have somebody that took point. Someone's got to take point. Someone has to be before. And whether that's because of their experience or maybe it was rank or whatever, a lot of different reasons, but someone's got to take point. Someone's got to be the first in the door. Someone's got to be the first down the road or whatever. But, But he has that eternal position of being before. All things. folks, the problem is when we think before, we think that our plans and our wishes and our desires and our goals and our dreams and my, my my, 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 and I'm going to make this decision first, and then I'll ask if he'll come along and bless that decision. No, 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 no. It said before. <laughs> He's before the decision is to be made. And hey, look, I'm guilty. Right, I do it all the time. Right? I mean it's it's again, I mean Jim made a perfect picture of it. It's like, man, unfortunately, right? We still dip our hand over that fence. We still wiggle our toe in the in the cesspool of the world. We do it. We're human, we're flesh. But it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded of what the Bible says that he is before all things. Okay? Next one. Uh We're going to skip down a little bit more. Let me get back over there to Ephesians. And he is the head of the body, the church, right? And not just because, I mean, obviously he is the head of Berean Bible Baptist Church. But folks, he's not just the head of the Baptist Church. He's not just the head of whatever church has its whatever name and whatever denomination on it. The church, as in what? Anyone that's part of the body of those that have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. A body of believers. And unfortunately, we know that denominations and man's ways and man's traditions and stuff have mucked that whole thing up. Okay, we get that. But but folks, you know what? I, I tell you what. The Lord has taught me so many valuable lessons over the last year uh, of going into some of these different churches. And you know what, folks? There are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people out there in church this morning that love the Lord. I believe they're truly saved. They just haven't had all the right instruction. They haven't had the exact right book. Right? There's a myriad of things that go on there, and some of those things can be beyond their control, and some of those things, again, as we talked about this morning, could could be out of ignorance, right? No, hey, I believe Christ is my Savior, I'm good enough, and I like this church because I like the seats and I like the music and it makes me feel better about myself. Okay, praise the Lord, they're saved. But folks, we've we also got got to be careful of that mindset of that, man, if you're not this and if you're not this and if you're not this and if you're not that, then, then you're not even worthy to be named in the same name of the body of Christ that I am. Right? We've got to be real careful with that. Because there is a body. There is a body of Christ. And there are a lot of good people out there, and you know what I mean by good, right? Good as in, they're saved. Right? So I, I'm hoping that that is also another good reminder of us. So turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Again, just to nail that thing down. That he is the head of the church, Ephesians one. Uh, Story up, verse twenty, which he God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We're going to come to that fullness here in a minute too. So, folks, again, another thing that you have got to understand, that we, I'm sorry, we have got to understand and got to be reminded of, he's the head of the church. Not just a particular denomination, not just a particular sector within a denomination. Okay? If we have the opportunity to give more truth to people, then yes, let's take that opportunity. I've gone over this verse before. and I'm actually meant to mention it earlier, so I'll fit it in here now. 1 Timothy 2, right? 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a difference there. You know them. You know people that have trusted Christ as their Savior and never took one more step after that. But you'll see them again. Because they took the right step. Right? So sure, if we have that opportunity to, to talk to a brother or sister in Christ that, that, that maybe they're a little off in their doctrine, maybe they're a little off in, in understanding eternal security, what, then by all means, we've got to be able to have the right answer to give them... Right to expound unto them that much more. But folks, there's also a time and a place of just praising the Lord, hallelujah, amen, that they're saved. Next one, He is the beginning. And you could say, well, wait a minute, Mike, that's the same thing as saying He's before all things. It's the same thing as saying He's the firstborn of every creature. No, 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 it's not. I'm, I'm saying like for me, as I was going through this message, this is what I had to be reminded of that these things are different. They're written there for a reason, right? Verse 18, and he is the head, I'm sorry, yeah, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. And, and I'm definitely not going to go all those verses because you should know most of them, but if you don't, please go and, and, and read those verses, right? He was there. From the beginning. But folks, it's not just the fact that He was there from the beginning. What does that verse say? It says He is the beginning. So now do you see why I'm stressing the fact that it's different? It's different than the fact that He's just before all things. It's different from the fact that He is uh, the firstborn of every creature. It's not just this simple fact that He was there from the beginning. No, the Bible says He is the Beginning. I'm sure a couple of those references in there say something about I am the Alpha and the Omega, the... Help me out here. The beginning. He is the beginning. I, I, I can't really expound on that much more than that. It makes my brain hurt. This one, read some commentaries and stuff that they tried to loop these two together. They tried to loop the one that he was the firstborn of every creature and the firstborn of the dead together. I disagree. I think they're two separate things. The firstborn of the dead. Number one, I say they're two different things because they're in two different verses. That's just logic. Right? I mean, they're said it two different times. I say, look, let's don't make things complicated. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, comma, the firstborn from the dead. It's a separate thought. It's in a separate verse. It's separated by a comma. You know, Miss Renee, the English teacher, can probably help me with that. Right? It's different. Being the firstborn of every creature and the firstborn of the dead are two different things. Why? Why do you think that is? Of course, you got a verse there to go check that out. Well, let's go ahead and turn to that one. Let me go ahead and turn to that one. Revelation 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So part of why I say it's two different things is because, again, logically speaking, the Bible backs up the Bible. It's said in a completely different space, and it's in its own thought. He's the first begotten of the dead. But folks, here's what I I really say it boils down to. Um, Do we agree... That every one of us, before, well, even after knowing Christ, do, do, do every one of us agree that we have a, a death payment that we have to pay? Like, is anybody here secretly planning on living eternally on this earth that I don't know about? Okay. So we're all going to die, right? Or be raptured out of here, or whatever. Okay. And we have to die, again, as it was covered this morning, we have to die because of what? Sin. Now, we know that the sin payment was made by Jesus Christ, so our soul will go on for eternity, but this flesh will die unless we're raptured out or something like that, right? So let me ask you this question. Did Jesus Christ... Uh, man, how do I say this? I don't. We say He had to die because we know of the sin payment, but as far as Jesus Christ Himself, did Jesus Christ have sin in him that bound him to death. Folks, that's the indicative. The indicative as far as why he is the firstborn of the dead is because within himself, as he is God, he had no requirement to be bound by death. Does that make sense? Am I saying, like, I I was kind of worried about... (laughs) I mean, we know he had to die. He had to die to fulfill God's will. Okay, that's what I mean. But did he have to be, was he bound by death? Did he have a sin penalty on him that required his death? No. It was our sin penalty. So he truly is the firstborn of the dead because death had no power over him. We know that there were others. We know that there were others. That, there were others in, in the Old Testament, right? Elijah, Elijah, they raised people from the dead. So then, right, the, the, you're going to have the Bible correctors and all this. We'll say, well, see, no, he's not the firstborn of the dead because this little kid over here, you know, was resurrected. And this little girl over here was resurrected. And Lazarus, Lazarus was dead four days and he to high heaven. Now, he was resurrected. Only because of God. Only because of Christ that they were able, not on their own, not a single one of them people raised themselves up. So folks, I I hope that that's clear. That the reason why we, we say that that's different, the reason why we say that we have to know that about one of his attributes, about one of his qualities, is because he is the firstborn of the dead, because death had no power over him. It couldn't because He didn't have that sin. He willingly took on our sin. And the last one, I, 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 you know what? I had to dig around on this one. Because it was, it was, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Where's the indicative? Where's the integration? But folks, notice what it says. Uh, let me get back over there. Notice what it says here at the end of verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. In Him, as in in His being, His very being of being Jesus Christ, in Him is all fullness. Now what does that mean? (laughs) All. We've all heard that, right? All means all. That's all all means But think about that. It's like, if we could somehow create an imaginary box that was labeled eternity, Jesus fills that box and more. I mean, all fullness... And, and, and some other verses, folks, that you can go back and look up for yourself, but you'll see that, that, that the way that all fullness dwells in us uh, through that joy, that joy that all fullness dwells, that joy comes from Him. Amen. Anything that we could possibly ever want or need or think of or whatever, it, it's Him. All fullness dwell. I, I, I mean, I, again, I've, this is just where I've got to say I can't wrap my brain around it. All I can try and do is give my best to foot-stomp the mess out of it and say it is... I'm sorry, Rick. Charles covered earmuffs. It is what it is. Charles doesn't like that saying. <gasps> it is what it is. I, I just I don't know any other way to say it. But what I do know is that, folks, if we can't grasp that... If we think that there is something missing in our lives, if we think that there is something that we just can't simply attain to, if we think that there is some level of contentment or satisfaction or happiness or joy that we can't get to, folks, that's that's on us. That's not because of Jesus Christ. Because in Him all fullness dwells. Now, I do think that there is some other application in that verse that, that we just don't have the time, and it's definitely kind of more of a Bible study. Not that this has a study. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, like there, Folks, even, uh, right, again, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the, the law, the from the beginning. It, it's Right now, at this point, at number seven, we're encompassing all of it. <laughs> He's all of it. I, I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ, as far as His person in the flesh on this earth, he, he even had the fullness of the attributes of everything that God is, everything that the Holy Spirit is. Like, in other words, God was, was so like, in Him, in Him is all. It's like, in Him is the Father, in Him is the Holy Spirit, in Him is, it's all. Right? So, I mean, that's where you kind of even have to, I mean, we could get deeper into that. I, I, I know we can, we just won't for the sake of time and everything, and, and, and that's why you can open up your Bible and dig around in it for yourself. But there is that other application that in Him, all fullness. Everything that we need from God the Father, everything that we need from God the Holy Spirit, everything we need is completely and fully satisfied by Him. So, folks, when we ask that question, and when the multitude there in in Matthew chapter 21 asks the question, who is this? What was the response they got? Oh, he's this Jesus of Nazareth fellow that's been going around creating a stir and getting the people all twitterpated and confused and whatever. How much we want to know is going to be completely dependent upon how much we're willing to inquire. And yes, I'm I'm spelling that with the I because it's considered a more in-depth search. How much do we truly want to know Him? Uh, I, again, it was, it was perfectly hit on this morning, folks. Yes, there, there is a basic level that we have to know Him. We have to know Him at this foundational level of knowing Him as our Savior. But I'd be willing to bet that there are several men and women, the Sunday school teachers and the preachers and those that are serving in other ministries and stuff like that. I, I, just, I know for myself, so I think I can speak on behalf of other people. Folks, anyone uh, that, that preaches or teaches or whatever else and says that they have a desire to know Him, uh, I, I think we'd go so far as to say, the more I know Him, the more I realize how little I know. Amen. Therefore, the depth of our wanting to know Him is completely dependent upon us. So if, we, if we're just going to take a defe- uh, defeated, flippant attitude, ah, you know what, hey, I'm saved, I'm thankful, and the rest of this stuff is just way too deep for me. I would encourage you to go a little deeper. That's, right? Again, I don't have to get complicated with how I say that. What I think was interesting, and kind of tagging on the end of Pastor Grissom's message last week when he was talking about uh, the judgments and stuff like that, Romans 2.16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. 2 Timothy 4.1 I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at His appearing and His kingdom. Folks, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, there is a judgment coming, whether you want it or not. The outcome of that judgment will be 100% completely dependent upon how you answer that question. Who is He? outcome of the judgment is 100% completely dependent upon your understanding of how to answer that question. And if all we can do is answer that question, yep, he was a prophet, yep, he was a good teacher, he was this, he was that, he was some guy, folks, the outcome of your judgment is not going to be favorable. But if you can answer that question with those seven indicatives, He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. He's the beginning, right, in that list. If you can answer that question, folks, your judgment is secure. Your judgment is an eternity in heaven with God the Creator because you know His Son, Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior... Folks, I I hope this has been a reminder for you. I hope it's been an encouragement. I I hope it's one of those things that, man, we can take a passage and it says, well, wait a minute, there's seven of them here. And it it took me three days to find all seven of them. So what? (laughs) I was willing. I I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. And you know what? I learned just a little bit more than what I knew before. But I know I got a lot more to learn close us out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, Lord, we thank You so very much. Lord, You are so good to us. Lord, You sent Your only begotten Son. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Lord, it was because of who He is that He was able to do what He did. And Lord, I I pray that each and every single one of us in here could not only grasp that, but hold on to it and, and just squeeze it so tight Uh, that that we just have a desire to to learn more and more and more, to serve Him more and more and more, and, and, uh, and to share that message with others that don't. Lord, we love You. We thank You. We praise You. It is in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.